Hey everybody, what's going on? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pow Pow Media. Pow Pow Media is the premier video and production video marketing resource in the DFW area. They're going to create you some original video content for TV, film, internet distribution, whatever you need. If you're a small business, you need to check these guys out because the e-commerce videos that they make are extremely valuable and second to none in the area. They've been in business since 2000. They've created over 12,000 multimedia projects. They can do drone footage, uh, any kind of promo for an event or any kind of small business or a band, anything like that. I had one made. It's extremely professionally done. They have a really quick turnaround. It looks phenomenal. I love it, and I'll be using them again for sure. So check them out at powpowmedia.com and tell them I sent you. Let's go ahead and get started. And we are live. Welcome, everybody, to the Slightly Chewed Podcast. My name is Chris Watson. Of course, I'm your host. With me on this episode, my good friend, Mr. Luke Wade of several different fames. How you doing, buddy? Hi, dude. I'm glad to have you on the show. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah, dude. You canceled your haircut to be here. I did. I did, and I wouldn't do that for anybody but you. It. Do, I mean, I do think it's... I think that uh, your hair still has some life in it. If you ask me, but it's not its not my hair, it's your hair. It's a, its a little unruly at this point. I'm sticking with the short sides. And yeah, I, it, 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 makes you, it makes you look a little bit like, have you seen the picture of the, uh, uh, it's like this this dog with a scarf and glasses on. It's like, it's like a hipster, <laughs> it's like a hipster puppy. No, but I'm on you board kinda with look that. Like, you kind of look like, a hip, like the hipster puppy. I'm on board with that, for sure. But but of course, handsome, not dog-like. Obviously. Very, very, I do have very do, handsome. I do have dog-like features and no, characteristics. No, it's just that it's really that the dog looks like a person. Like yeah. a really cute person. Okay. I'll yeah. go. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> you should. I will. I will. So what's going on? You're in town for the holiday? Yeah, just hanging out. Uh, it's Christmas week. If you're not listening recently, if you're listening in the future, it's December 20-something, 1st. 21st? I don't know. 20th? I don't know what day Something. it is. Something. It's... I'll look. I can look. It's the 21st. <laughs> the 21st? Oh, so it's the uh, it's the the solstice. Is it? Yeah, it's the winter solstice. So this is... Today is the shortest day of the year. I like that. Yeah. I've been I've been uh, really into... Just been learning a lot of things lately, man. Yeah. Um, a lot of, so, a lot like of the solstice... Time. Yeah, like I got really excited about... I was talking to my dad about physics today because I... Um, most people don't know that that was my, one of my first loves was astronomy and physics. And, yeah. and I've been reading a lot about antimatter and the fact that we were actually able to, um, I'm about to lose so many people, but, um, there's <laughs> the science of the study of light is called spectroscopy. And so basically every single element has, um, a fingerprint. So that's how we can tell what stars and planets like the stars are made of an atm- um and different atmospheres. So if a star shines through the atmosphere of a planet, you know what the star is made out of because of the fingerprint from all the elements and then whatever's absorbed, whatever there's less of is what is in the atmosphere of the planet. Right. So um so they they were able to shine a laser at antimatter and and get and fi- and, and get its fingerprint. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. So it's anti-hydrogen yeah. is what they were able to make, which is, um, you know, one um, positive electron and one um, one negative proton. That's pretty incredible. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And so it, I think it's, it's cost a hundred billion dollars per, uh, nano gram to, to create antimatter. And then you do it in the collider where you collide the, the particles to make lot. it up and then hope that they attach to each other. And then you actually create, <laughs> they're creating the atom and then you have to catch it in an electric man, electromagnetic field. So they've, they've, they're working on this. They've done this. They did this. That's pretty incredible. They did that. I yeah. saw, I saw a link to that on, uh, social medias, but I didn't. I yeah. Didn't you kind of have to be a, a, you know, be into it to, to be able to like figure out the significance of it. But so whenever matter, like the reason it's so diff, like it's so incredibly difficult to do that is that if antimatter touches matter, they both turn into electromagnetic radiation. So anti you and you run into each other. You just turn into radiation. Right. The two of you. That's incredible. It's incredible uh, that you know all of that because I don't know much of that. I, I Yeah, it was what I studied in college for the first year and then you get into it and then just kind of. <laughs> it's if you have you know if you can speak the jargon then you can you can read about it and yeah. keep up with it yeah i can't i don't know much about it but i'm glad that you do <laughs> yeah. you can keep so, up with it for me and you can just break it down oh for yeah me so like that. i mean everything is moving so much faster than i thought um programming ai like it's just yeah. the future is just like i remember a year ago thinking oh and you know it's gonna be crazy in 10 years whenever you you hail an uber on your phone and a car comes and picks you up and there's no driver right and they now last week they launched the fleet of self-driving cars yeah. and it's smarter than i thought that that uh that the people that rather than so and to to program these cars they basically get to a certain point and they have a driver and as a safety net so if something doesn't exactly work correctly then the driver just takes over mm-hmm. and so they can it's a safe way to to kind of figure out where the cars are coming up short right I saw, I did see a clip of one of them blowing through a red light blatantly. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, that's the extent of what I saw for driverless cars. So I'm on board with that. That's, Not with blowing through red lights, but with driverless cars in general. They get really impatient. I yeah. Think. Yeah. It's, it's the programmed into their system. Well, the, the biggest problem that they're finding is not the, the driverless cars. It's the drivers. It's that the, um, the cars, the driverless cars are programmed to be safe and follow all traffic regulations, which humans don't do. Right. And, and aren't. Right. And so like if you were, if you're in LA and you're trying to take a left at a red light, I mean, not a red light at a, at a green light, you just basically short circuit and you can never take a left because in order to do it, you have to break the law right? and cut and, or people see the driver that it's a driverless car and then they just won't ever let it over. Right. Right. So that makes sense. So that's really the problem. Human you, interaction. Yeah. It's the humans will see, shitty. Oh, that's just a robot. I'm not going <laughs> to let it over. I'm never going to let that robot over. Yeah. Well, people do that anyway. People drive like assholes all the time anyway. So imagine what they do. If there's, if there's like, there's no chance of being shot. Cause that's really <laughs> yeah. why anyone yeah. ever lets anyone over is, is yeah. uh, well, some people are just nice. Like I, I let people over. And it's because I cut people off. I'm like, I, I have this coming. <laughs> it's karma. Balance. I got it. I got it coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The, the, the not fear of, of altercation when you're not letting a robot over, it's not going to flip you off and you're going to get mad about yeah. it. Yeah. Like if I was stronger, like if I thought I could <laughs> fight someone and win, 
I would probably cut people off like 20% more. Yeah. 20%. That's actually that's not, not very much. That's actually not true. Uh, <laughs> there, <laughs> I, uh, you do drive that gigantic sprinter around. Yeah. It's hard and people, not to, no. And honestly, I've been driving around today and people have been so nice. It's They've hard been, not to cut people off in a extra long vehicle like that though. Um, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> uh, well, in my van, I know sometimes I forget how how far back there it goes, and I'll kind of get over on people and get honked at. Mm-hmm. I'm do sorry. You ever, do you ever back that thing up? Everyone, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I do, and it looks good when I do it. Yeah, that's that makes sense. Yeah. Do you ever like you back it up and then? And then you check the back and there's just a milkshake in there for no reason. Yeah. Well, there's dudes crowded around it when there's milkshakes in there. Yeah. Sometimes, it's weird. sometimes you just back it up and then yeah. you're like, wait, where did this milkshake come from? It's crazy. And we're all these guys. Why are these... all these guys just hanging around yeah. the, in the, the, in the yard, in the yard by my milkshake. Yeah. It's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> I like it. That, that's con- conversation destroyer. Number one. <laughs> Everyone, yeah. what do you, dude, what, so and we're only not very far into, we're this. not very far into it. No, I haven't, I don't think I've ruined everything. No, I think I've lost, I think I've alienated everyone. That's pretty good much. though. Yeah. You're, you're keeping the people who want to be here are still here. So kudos to yeah, you. Yeah. Let's you get made rid of it, all that riffraff. You made it eight and a half minutes. So, with, with, and I, good so, for you. yeah, so I just <laughs> alienated pretty much everyone. Yeah. So good for you. Yeah, man. So, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you about, um, uh, about about things so you're, you're doing the band thing more yeah well not yet uh we're doing it every now and then i just played a show on sunday up in denton uh dan silverleaf which i love playing that place but i just did it basically because i i wanted to i've been playing with zach for so long i've been on hiatus full band hiatus since july or june and or even before that when i was playing with dalton and uh so yeah we just did that one but i didn't I don't know. We're not really booking until probably February or March right now. So I'm still kind of doing the, the sideman stuff. There's some irons in the fire for some other stuff, some other projects that I'm going to try to be a part of. Cool. And, uh, yeah, just kind of keeping my options open. Are you, are you, uh, have you given any more thought to doing like, a a Mark Ronson style, Chris Watson record? Not really. <clears throat> I think that's a cool idea, but I, uh, I don't know. I don't know who I would want to get to do all the other stuff. I do mess around with a lot of demos and make a lot of stuff because that's, I consider myself more versed in, in that than songwriting lyrically, but I don't know. I, I'm just kind of keeping my options open right now. I don't really know what I want to do right now. There is a contingency of people who want me to start doing full band shows again. And I'd like to do that, but it's just so much work. That was the reason that I stopped doing it in the first place is it was, I've really spinning my wheels pretty hard and not really getting anywhere with it. Yeah, I mean there's it's uh it's difficult here and I mean it's difficult anywhere. Yeah. But there's certain aspects of of doing music professionally and and in Texas but Dallas Fort Worth specifically that I mean it's really your the the only way to really make money is something that doesn't necessarily perpetuate your yeah, ca- your career and it, it it definitely like there's a that's a there, that's there, a real issue in the DFW scene. Yeah, there's there, a big scene, but it's not furthering furthering very many careers. Yeah, there there's just there's not necessarily a, a touring culture, right? Um, a culture of people that that think 
outside of, of the area. Cause it's just, I, I think that your first, it makes sense that, all right, let's, let's get to the point where we can quit our job. Right. And then, and then we'll think about everything else. And really it's just, you gotta, you gotta like be semi homeless van vagrant person <laughs> yeah. um, all around the country so that you've, you know, you're kind of, there's a perception like if people see you leave, they don't see, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is that play all the shows in front of six people somewhere else. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> like a real that's, thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I've run into that a plenty, plenty of times on the road and you're playing to the same size crowd in the same size rooms in other places and you're getting more money because you're from out of town and people realize you're from out of town. And so they treat you differently. It's weird. It's a weird thing. It, it also, it's, it's really, it's difficult to get out of the mindset that there's one kind of entertainment and that's the kind of entertainment that sells alcohol. Right. And because well, you come up what, in that scene for so long, you get brainwashed into thinking that's, so, your, that's your only job. And it's so hard to, you, you write your set list, you play your songs, like, oh, where's the, like, I need energy, yeah. I need upbeat, like, I need to put some stuff in there and that, that makes us exciting and, and, uh, it's just, it's hard. It's so hard to get out of that mindset that that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But I mean, really until you have, if you're playing at places that don't sell tickets. Right. To see your show. Right. Then, you know, that's the world that you're in. Yeah. It's a weird chicken and egg thing though. When you do finally get to the point of quitting your job and playing music full time is that now you have to have to play music to pay your bills and to eat. So you yeah. kind of get forced into that playing these places in the corner of the bar where no one's paying attention for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, which I think that one thing I, I don't I my like looking back at the the way things happened to me in my career I the things I did didn't really make sense, but they seemed to have worked. Like I was playing these three and four hour gigs and I would promote them and I'd try to get people out. And I got to the point where I would have people at all of these shows, which that's not the advice I would give to someone else. But at the same time, like that's the only thing I know that worked. Right. Uh, but I would advise, you know, someone coming up to, to just do a smash and grab <laughs> where you like, you go, yeah. you go and you play three hours, maybe. And, and I, I love it when people have an idea of the different aspects of their talent and then the, and they can compartmentalize it and then have these different alter egos, like ha and then make everything entertaining for what it is to, you know, like if I would have had it like a specifically entertaining kind of alter ego that like, which I call Lou Quaid, like if Lou Quaid would have done all these like all these bar gigs and just didn't try to split the difference between my artistic integrity and having fun. Right. Then it would have just been the, the thing that I think would have happened though, is that Lou Quaid would have been so much more successful than Lou Quaid. Right. Because I, of your attitude towards it. Because I would have just not given a shit. I yeah. would have said, you know, would have been like, I just, I would have just had a lot of fun and been terribly irreverent. And just worn whatever I want, and right. just and just like blasted out every venue, yeah, and and crowd surfed, and yeah, and I would have just released that part of myself, and and I think ultimately I would have, you know, I 
it would may even like that I would have been Luke Wade and not Luke Wade maybe like this is I'm just like this is this whole alternate yeah uh, existence where I would follow the advice I would give to someone now yeah and might have ended up ultimately less less happy I don't know well that's relative to to success I think if it worked he probably would have been pretty happy about it yeah but if but I also would have tied myself to the region. Um, because that's, that's the kind like, you can do that and do really well almost every night of the week. If it's something that's going to, you know, get people laid and sell drinks right. and people know that they're going to go and like, it's going to be an event and that they're going to have fun. They're going to meet a girl or a guy right. and make a memory or an experience with other people. Cause it's, it's ultimately what, whether you're doing it through funk or fun or, something that's more melancholy it, it's really about it's really about the audience and your ability to to give them a moment yeah and yeah that's what you want it to be about that's sorry, that's satisfying your artistic integrity no i think that that's there's i think that it's across the board it's about that <clears throat> well it should be like that about that and my point to that is that for people like me you have to balance that with also making a living no, that's so I'm what I'm saying. So I, we're, we're disagreeing here. Um, is that even whenever it's funky and it's fun, if there's no ego in it, like if you're not, if it's not like, if it's all like, if you make it about making a moment for the people who were there, mm-hmm. then, and that means getting people to dance with each other, right. getting people. And sometimes people just are not going to be into it. Um, some people aren't gonna, and there's no catch all obviously, but I think even when you're talking about music at maybe close to the lowest common denominator, there's still, you're still connecting people to, um, you're still connecting people to, to something like it's more of an animalistic kind of like, I need to procreate. I need to feel, I need to escape. I need to, but it's still something that's an honest part of being a human for the most part that you're, and you're, you're contributing in a positive way, I guess, arguably a positive way to, to that, to, to people. Uh, so yeah, I I think that it's a different kind of connection. If you do something that's more artistic and more melancholy, you're connecting people to memories and to the feelings and to the fact that we're all, that we all, you know, have these thoughts and feelings and that they, they do connect us and that you're not alone in the things that you feel like you're alone in. And so there's these opposite sides of the spectrum of, of just making things and sharing them with people in a live circumstance. But I think that they all really serve the same purpose. I can get on board with that. Your career has taken you, uh, from Tarleton to Fort Worth, to national television, and then now you live in L.A. So what what has that... <clears throat> excuse me, everybody. I'm getting over a cold right now. I'm sorry if you can hear it. Uh, what What is that... What? How is that trajectory... How does that fit into what you're, what you're saying? This trajectory of now you're on a different platform than you were on when you lived here in that people people don't come to your show just to get drunk and meet somebody. They come to your show to see you. 
specifically. Yeah. Where that's the difference, I think, between what you were doing before. When people come to the shows to see you, obviously, they come to anyone's show and they pay to get in to see the artist. But they're there for the scene and they're there for the vibe. And I think now you've been elevated to a, a platform where people, they care more than they did before about what you have to say. And they're more interested in in connecting with, with you and not going to the bar to enjoy the music and talk to people, talk to their friends. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, there's what's, how is, what's the difference? Like, how is that, how has that affected your writing and your approach to the set and all of that kind of stuff? Um, I've, I've had a really hard time breaking away from the energy thing and, and I've had some good advice and I've had some bad advice since the show, some things that have worked out and some things that haven't worked out. Ultimately, there's a, there's an added pressure to, to bring your fans. You know, there's, if you, if no one wants to see you, then there will be no one there. Right. And you almost long for the days where someone just wants, people just want a someone to be there to entertain them and hope that it's a, a someone who enter, entertains them well. Right. Cause you just show up and the pressure of that is not there. So, I mean, every night before I walk on stage, I'm honestly just, I've gotten to the point where I just try not to think about it, but I'm just worried no one's going to be there. Right. Because there's no guarantees. Sure. I mean, you can look at, you look at ticket sales, but the thing is, um, if you're not selling out venues, then there's not an incentive for people to make plans. Right. Like that's the thing is that there's, let's say you're playing, you're selling, you're playing 250, 50 person rooms and you're selling every one of them out. Then people are going to buy tickets immediately because they right. missed out last time. Right. But if you're not hitting that mark, even if you're 50 short, you're going to lose, a, you know, 30% of your ticket sales because people wait until the last minute and just decide not to come. Right. So it's, it's, there are definitely additional challenges. And also there's, if you have fans across the entire country. So speaking to being on television, the, the interesting challenge is that you don't have, there's no analytic that shows you where the people you connected with are. So they're all over the country and you don't have a way to reach them. Right. So, you know, if I could get back on a platform that has, that reaches 50 million people and be like, Hey, playing here and playing here and playing here, playing here, then maybe I could, I could get people, you know, reconnect with the entirety of my base. But that isn't the case. Um, you know, I've, I have really, you know, I have a, a, a large reach in terms of social media, you know, hundreds of thousands across all the platforms, but it's still, when you're talking about spread across the whole country, your ability to actually reach those people and let them know is very difficult. And so you need promoters to do that. And so you rely on other people and then you have to do more than you're capable of. And then you have to have a team, uh, because you need, you have to have a, basically you have to sell the idea of you to every venue. So if, unless I don't even have to have effective radio promotion, but I have to tell them they have a, a radio promoter. I have to have a publicist. I have to have, I have to have management. I have to have booking. I have to have all these people, all these things to legitimize me to where these people feel like it's worth investing in an evening with me. Right. If I, if I'm not pushing, if I don't have a push going to facilitate them trying to bring people, then they, they are not interested in purchasing the evening. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a different set 
of challenges with a different set of pressures. Um, but ultimately the reward, um, it's, it's rewarding because you do get to travel, um, which ha- which is also, you know, there are good things and bad things about it. Um, because you don't, you really see the same, you see the, the venue and you see maybe the skyline and you see the inside of your bus or van or whatever. Uh, and then you meet the people, which is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a different, it's just, a, it's a different world. It's a different game. And, and really there, I mean, there are definitely people who are, who are doing cover gigs or bar gigs that that make a better living than I do. So at the end of the day, it's about, and, and it's way less trouble and their teams are smaller. So just about what you find rewarding. Yeah, and that's different for everybody and everyone's version of success is different and all of that. So, but I mean, if you're, if you have the aspirations, which you clearly do of, you know, of, of consistently improving and consistently growing as an artist and growing, growing as a brand, you know, then you have to go through all those things. And that's, it's, there's a lot that goes into it that I don't think the average person knows about. And I'm sure there's a ton of it that I don't know about. And there's probably a lot of it that you don't know about yet. Oh yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. You know, you and I have known each other a long time and, and we traveled in the same circuit around here and then you got you know you went and did what all the things that you've done and now I get to watch and kind of pick up the pick up the little the little life lessons that you're learning and I get to learn them vicariously so that if I ever get the opportunities that you're being given right now that maybe I can try to take advantage of them as well yeah yeah. it's exciting to see someone that you know doing well you know what I mean like it's inspiring that it still happens you know people can still elevate their careers can we be honest about how it makes you angry sometimes sometimes yeah Yeah. well it's that that vanity of of why not me that's human nature yeah and well and especially whenever someone is really good but just hasn't worked hard yeah, and that's insanely frustrating. It's it's just someone just gets tapped by the universe to be the next big shit, and you're just like, oh god, <laughs> yeah, it happens just, all the time. Oh yeah, where someone you you know just explodes, and it, I I don't know if it happens all the time. Who is not it? all the time? It happens. Um, a there lot. was someone who was it recently that I was that it was just, um. That I was just like I. It took all of me not to. I don't. I mean, I, I don't mean we don't have don't to know. call people out. I'm not trying to call people out. I just I'm trying to think about it because I'm I'm just being honest, you know. Yeah. Um, well, that's I think that's really common human nature, and that probably in any business, someone gets a promotion at your job, and you think you should have gotten that promotion, and because you yeah. or you feel like you work harder, you know more about them than the person that promoted them does, and so you wouldn't have given it. You know what I mean? Like that's a pretty common common feeling but i think that there's two ways to go about that feeling and the first way is to sit around uh shitting all over everybody yeah and wondering why not me and the other way is to turn around and go okay well what do i need to do to get myself i want that how do i get that and then go get it you know what i mean those are the two different personality yeah. types. yeah and and I, the, the thing i'm the talking about being like jealousy and and being uh i that is obviously the shit way to go about things. Sure. That's uh, the f- initial reaction though. I mean, that's I mean, it's, pretty basic. It's, human I don't, nature. I don't act on it. No, but, 
And, and it's really Anyone whenever someone that- when someone is successful, that that I it's very rare that someone has their you know becomes really successful that I know that they have no work ethic and they didn't try and so sure. on and so forth. And but there are definitely especially being in LA, there are people that I meet and and I'm just like. It's they're just disgustingly talented and just have the thing, and you're like nothing that anyone can do to stop this person. Right. It's just like yeah. you run it like it, it and it's like uh, yeah, that's and you a, just that's a powerful, awe-inspiring force to see that in somebody. Yeah, it's like there's not like they just have the whole thing. They're young, they have the songs, their voice is insane, they're pretty, they have a look, and you're just like they're they're gonna and they're usually people um that have an amazing mentors whose yeah. parents are musicians or went to some sort of arts magnet as mm-hmm. a young person and just and they weren't and just were nurtured in just the right way Yeah, to where they're just like a ball of human ball of like fire. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. Um, there's that a guy happened a lot in LA. I imagine there's, I've met cause a, that's where anybody would go. If you have aspirations to be something in the entertainment world, LA is kind of the hub of that. Yeah. I, I met this 19 year old girl who goes to USC. Her name's Madison Douglas. And it was just insanity. Like I just, she, she wrote this song. She's from West Virginia and she wrote the song about, I think it was called the forgotten. And it was just, have you seen, and she wrote it about the, uh, the, the CNN short that was about the, the, the county in West Virginia that voted the most for, I think it was 98% Trump. Mm-hmm. And it was just, there's no, like there's no industry. There's no like people, the, um, I think the number one industry is uh, people survive by turning in is scrap metal. People wow. go. That was that's the number one the ma- the primary source of income in this county. Wow. And so she yeah, and it was just uh, blew my mind. And then it had, she had another song going. He's not mine. And it's just not. And it's not recorded yet. Like she's just she's in her first or second year at USC. Yeah. And I was like, we're going to write a song. So I went like, it was funny. I went to her, her dorm <laughs> and we, we wrote in, in like one of the practice rooms and there was a, there was a, um, like a, someone set up the fire alarm, probably like pressed the popcorn button too many times and right. like burnt their popcorn. So everyone had to leave and it was like all college kids are like in some of them were in sweatpants and some like had a pizza in their hand and some of them were like soup, obviously super high, like walking into this, walking into this, uh, into the dorms to write the song. And we, we got about halfway through a really cool tune that we're going to, that we're going to finish up. Yeah. And so, and then there's this guy named Theo Katzman, who's just a freaking maniac. Like he can sing, he can write, he's got a cool look. He's uh he plays drums and guitar in Wolfpack. Okay. Yeah. 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 And he's and he's gonna come out with a record in January. And he's released a couple of singles from it, and yeah. he just Wolfpack has taken the world by storm in the past year or two. Yeah, they they're more of a collective mm-hmm. than they are a band, right? Um, and it's yeah, it's really, and they they're from Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh-huh. but they've all moved to L.A. 
and that's that's a really cool kind of scene and hub that's circling around them. And um, we have we have some mutual friends that have that have kind of kind of connected me into that, mm-hmm. um, which has been great. And LA is really interesting because there's an it's it has less connective tissue than I would say any other city that of that size because it's it's really not it's not as urban as you would think like it's it's not as urban as in a lot of ways as like Cincinnati or Cleveland or New Orleans like all these very dense cities that have smaller populations Boston obviously New York Chicago um because it's built um it the boom happened so late Mm-hmm. and it's built around the automobile and so there really isn't public transportation you really don't walk places and so everyone's in their, their car castles you know and and you know people through your work or because you know someone who introduced you to someone mm-hmm. and so it's one of it's really i can see how someone can move there and just be sad and lonely because yeah. you just there's not a way to connect but you find these pockets like you find a person and then they kind of tap you and you get to and you become a part of the world that they've created right through their um, through being there and the same thing happening to them. And that's really how it works. And yeah. So the cool thing is that if you get in to a thing and you're part of it, then you have access to that world in a really authentic way sometimes. Yeah. Are there a lot of like, is it clicky? Like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <coughs> I mean, that's really what I'm talking about. It's, it's kind of a click and, but, but it's, it's a click the same way that like people are drawn towards, I, I don't think that there has to be anything disingenuous about, about clicks. Um, it, it really, no, depends I don't on, mean that in a bad way. No, no it, pockets. That's what it reminds me of. Is, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that it, it totally can be, it can be super shallow and it can be about, just blind emulation because you want to be a part of a thing so bad that you'll do anything and kiss anyone's ass. And, but it can also function as a, as a derivative of, uh, of common goals and desires and personalities. And there's this group like, um, that kind of gravitates around Andy and Asia grammar who are, um, both really successful singer, songwriters, writers, artists, in uh in LA and like their clique is like the nice it's like the nicest people like they're just super like <coughs> just kind and genuine and so the, I mean that that exists too it's all about you know finding finding that what you want the LA that you want <coughs> I'm dying over here but of course, I've only been there for a year, so I can't. I'm and by now stretching the imagination. An expert. Yeah, I haven't gotten to spend a lot of time in LA in terms of being an entertainer. My mom's family is from there, so I grew, I grew up spending a lot of holidays and stuff out there, or not a lot, but some. What part of LA? Well, she's from uh, Lancaster, which is about an hour outside of LA. But mm-hmm. then her sister, my mom's sister, uh, is a. She lives in Venice Beach. Oh, okay. And so... Dude, does she live, like, on the canals? She lives about 10 blocks off of Venice Beach. But So, like, there's Venice Beach, and then there's, like, probably maybe that many blocks. And then the cool part of Venice is the canals. Yeah. And they have an awesome, like... I went to the... Uh, with my friends, Don and Hawks, 
AKA Chris and Miranda mm-hmm. from Austin. And they were there and we went to the, the parade lights where they have the boats mm-hmm. that have all the lights and all the rafts and stuff have lights on them. And, and there was like in people's backyards, they had bands that you yeah. could just walk by and listen to. It was pretty freaking, but the canal, like the vibe on the canal in Venice is so awesome. Yeah. She's closer to the ocean. Okay. Than that. Um, but, but the, the Venice boardwalk, it's a lot like if it's like, um, um, uh, like a, a, a mental, like a, like a mental health exhibit, man. It's pretty incredible to just saunter down that. And just the, the things <sighs> that I, I was thinking about starting a foundation. I don't know. This is probably so politically incorrect, but I'm just going to go there. Do it. Uh, I was thinking that if I could get people to donate their old Bluetooth headsets that maybe didn't work, we could give them to the people that are screaming on. on <laughs> just make it look like the, they're talking to somebody. Make it look like they're just having like a really serious business conversation. <laughs> yeah. Give them, give them secondhand suits and Bluetooth. Headsets. Yeah. Yeah. And Bluetooth headsets where it's like, I'm doing like, yeah, <laughs> they're listening. They're listening in. Yeah. And then <laughs> there's just, yeah. Replace their tinfoil hat with a, with a Bluetooth headset. <laughs> And that way people would get, just really make people think twice before they judge. Yeah. It's yeah. like, see, he's, I think he's really mad at his uncle. <laughs> yeah. Who's in the military. It's really serious. Who's also an, he was a military uh, astronaut alien. It's a pretty incredible strip of, and then the people performing and they're getting, you know, you have to have permits for that. And you have to like these people make their living on this. There's so many, walk. there's some of the world's most famous wino and then. The um the Santa Monica the Promenade is really mm-hmm. they they have really high quality uh, street performers yeah there's a lot of that over there and the food scene is insane I, I took my girlfriend and we went to this place called the Tasting Kitchen and she's she just told me that she liked it I was like oh, we'll go and of course I'm from Fort Worth. And I'm like, and I don't live in the real world. Like I, I like, like I, in some respects I'm special, especially, but not in LA. No one, no one cares. But in Fort Worth, like if I go some places, like I'll get a table or I won't have to pay cover or I'll get special service and they'll count my tab and things right. like that. And which is awesome. If don't think that I'm taking you for granted, if, no. if you're on, if you're listening to this and you've done that for me, like please continue. <laughs> so, but I'm in LA and no one cares. And, and so I, but I'm an idiot. I don't get a reservation, but we, we managed like there isn't a wait. but then I didn't think to look at the menus to see how expensive it was. <laughs> the cheapest bottle of wine I think was $79. Yeah. And, and this was the that's same. How you know, it's good. Yeah. That's how you know it's good. I don't know. I don't yeah. Know I know. The, and there was, yeah. So we, we went with the cheaper option, which was $16. Uh, glasses of wine. Wow. Right? And so I just, I didn't, I was like, I didn't know that. And this was uh, <laughs> in, on Abbot Canyon, which is near Venice. And, uh, and I basically, we had like, it was a really expensive, like date that I basically ruined. Cause it was also the Tuesday, November the 8th. And so I expected a certain thing to happen. And so I was like, oh yeah, we're going to like, like we're going to be celebrating. And then I was just, (laughs) it was like right, right when all the States were starting because I was on the West coast. And so right as all the States were turning red, I was right. We were at dinner, (laughs) this expensive, this really expensive dinner. And I just was open mouth, just 
one tear rolling down my face <laughs> Try, trying to like salvage the night for my for my lady and doing a really poor job of it <laughs> that probably happens a lot i imagine out there getting caught it's a pretty affluent area santa monica oh yeah getting, no, I ca- caught yeah getting caught in a situation where you're going to spend way more money than you thought you know that's <laughs> you honestly the to. first time that it's been <laughs> that much like that much more than i i, I just but you can't back out because then you'll look like a loser to you in front of your girlfriend. Well, because it was easily, you could, it was the kind of place where, I've never been to a place where you could easily spend $1,000 right. on dinner. Right. Like I, that's, usually someone says, I, re- I remember like just to kind of put things within a frame of reference, I had my first, oh gosh, I was in seventh grade and we drove, <laughs> we went through Vail with my grandpa and we went to breakfast buffet and I saw him sign the check and it was $18. And I was like, grandpa, how are you going to do this? <laughs> how are you going to get by? How are you going to, how are you going to like, how did you do that? Cause we just never ate out as kids. And then the first really fancy dinner I had, I went to Eddie V's, which is a nice place. Yeah. And someone, uh, it was a label was courting me and took me there and I was able to get whatever I wanted. And like, I waited for him to order to see like, and he got like the most expensive thing. So <laughs> I did too. And it, and it was, you know, it was maybe, it was like a hundred bucks a person yeah. for everything. And I was like, Oh my God, yeah, this is insane. <laughs> so, and that was like four years ago. <laughs> right. So I, I'm like, I, I'm yeah. not, um, Oh yeah. And also I hadn't, the, the it was the menu wasn't in a foreign language, but it was to me. Right. Like I didn't know what right. it, what it meant. What's the the this? Because you don't even want to try to say it. You don't want to try to say it. They roll their eyes at you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got caught at Bob's Steak and Chop House one time on a date and ended up spending several hundred dollars. That's the only time I've ever done anything like that. I yeah I. It was multiple, multiple hundreds the of worst, dollars. The worst, yeah, the worst date. It wasn't bad. I just didn't know what I was getting into. The worst date I ever went on was with, with uh, someone who's... It was actually really good. So oh, of course it was Maybe great. it wasn't worth several hundred dollars, but it was really uh, good. I mean, I, I think when you're a grown-up and time is really precious, with especially the time you get to share with another human that you really care about is really precious, I think it's... It's worth it to do, mm. to do something within your means, you know? Yeah. That's the caveat within your, like something, you know, and plan to do something that would normally be with outside of your means by maybe you're like, you're rocking the, the noodles for a few days, <laughs> yeah, saving, so they, up. <laughs> saving up to, to have a special evening. And maybe you, your lady does whatever she wants and you just rock the noodles. There you go. So that you can, she doesn't you can know. Do, yeah. She didn't, she shouldn't know. She doesn't need to know. She yeah, doesn't need to know that you paid with a coupon. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Gift card. Like, and then like you, you, you start sweating cause it, and then, and you actually smell like that artificial flavor <laughs> in ramen. Eating, yeah. yeah. Smell like GMO. I actually, I had, that was, uh, <laughs> I was really broke a couple of years ago and, and, uh, and I was, I was like, I went on the noodle savings plan Yeah, where I was eating, uh, um, various the kinds sodium of sodium diet. Oh, and then, and I had to quit when someone 
like guess the flavor I was eating <laughs> because I can't remember if I had peed or if I was sweating or what it was, but it was like, oh, you into teriyaki or what? I'm like, oh man, I got to stop this. This is gone. Yeah. This is gone That's too funny. far. That's funny. That stuff's yeah. really bad for you. Those ramen noodles. It's not very good for you. So wait, so we're Facebook living right now? Yeah, we are. If it's still I mean, on, do we, I don't know if it's even still on. Get on your Facebook on your phone and see if it's still going. This isn't going to make for very good listening. Yeah, to the I podcast, feel like maybe but, maybe we should set it and do the front facing camera so that we can answer questions that people ask. Is that a, is that a possibility? Pull it up. Yeah, go ahead. Pull it up. I was going to do on it this on, one. No, I can't do the front facing camera. Doesn't the audio doesn't work on the front facing? My phone's got wet. Oh, so we can do yeah. it. You can look at so it. That's, so so that's uh, you, did you you played a played a song for it, and then it just and it destroyed <laughs> yeah, and it. And it didn't work anymore. It yeah. didn't work anymore yeah. just because it yeah. like there's weird was, thing it happened. It was a good song. It was yeah. yeah. It's the only one I've ever written. Let's be good to your daddy. <laughs> yeah, it was on that level. like you. Oh, front facing camera's broken. Too much moisture. <laughs> Pull it up, uh, and if anyone wants to ask questions, you're free to do that. So. So pulled up, so I should. Um, if anyone wants to ask, you've got a, a single out, right? Is it out or is Ooh, it? There it is. Oh yeah, we're live. There's seven people watching. Awesome. So that's pretty big time. So I can, um, so I can actually answer. We can answer your questions now. I forgot that I could do this. So Mike, we got um, Rams. <laughs> Who would say Rams with exclamation points? Rocky. Yo, Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi, Amy. <laughs> Yes, you are on. This is oh, this is great. This is great. This is quality television. This is really good for the podcast. This is television. Okay, so um, I, we're looking at it now, so we can. Uh, am I playing in Texas this trip? No, I'm not. But I am. Uh, I'm playing at House of Blues on February the third. Yeah. I'm playing uh, Wichita Falls at Iron Horse on the fourth, and then we got Austin February. The ninth and at uh, Stubbs and then House of Blues, Houston on the tenth. So I think yeah, Dallas is House of Blues, the third. Uh, yeah, I think I'm not sure if, if I didn't say that. And we're playing uh, the Dallas Cowboys game on the day after That's Christmas. That's cool. On the parking lot. Um, or what is that? Where? No, it's uh, it's actually like the pregame. Uh-huh. So it's what they do is they have a stadium on the west side. So if you like wherever where you stand for the party passes, like just outside of Uh that and they do i think they do like half the set and they put it up on the jumbotron inside that's cool like 10 minutes yeah of it and play you know have the like rather than set us up inside they just pipe us in yeah so we got go london yay you were just in london i was i wasn't how was that tell me about that I did that trip last year to Ireland. You and I went and we shared a hotel I, room and we wrote part of a song that I recorded. Yeah, that was cool, man. I was really, I was, I had a really proud pop moment when you were playing it uh, last, when I saw you at Magnolia. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, that was a really fun trip. That was an amazing trip. It was great. Uh, it was, I, I couldn't keep up with the drinking, to be honest with you. And there were, there were yeah. certain aspects that were very much fulfilled this trip because I went back to Ireland that was the better half for me, um, not because of geography or because of the humans that were there, but just because of the way that everything turned out. Um, I ended up connecting with Good Seed PR mm-hmm. and uh, this woman named, lovely uh, young woman named uh, Linda Coogan, who's worked for a number of major labels, and she started doing the radio promo. And I'm actually on 
like the top 20 pop playlist in Ireland, like on the major radio stations there right now. That's which pretty is, awesome. Which is wild. Like I'm, um, we're going back in April to play a major festival and, and, uh, so things are actually, you know, and here's a, something I found out is, you know how many copies of your album you have to sell to go platinum in Ireland? How many? 15,000. That's awesome. Yeah. Get you a plaque. <laughs> let's get a pla- Let's go platinum in Ireland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you playing in the next few months in California? Mike? Um, yes. We're playing the 12th at the Casbah in San Diego and playing, uh, of January, 12th of January at the Casbah in San Diego and the 13th of January of, yeah, at Hotel Cafe in Los Angeles. There you go. There you go. How's the single doing? I've been seeing, I saw the video. Uh, it's it charted for a moment in Canada. Yeah. I don't know. All right. It got into the viral uh viral 50 and it's been getting about uh the the main the main indicator uh that the industry uses right now is Spotify. So uh-huh. I've just been kind of keeping an eye on that and getting between like five to ten thousand spins a day, which yeah. is which is good. I think we're yeah. it's been up f- out for a few weeks, and we're like one hundred fifty thousand spins on Spotify. That's real good. Um, so that's about three dollars that you've earned. You know what? I actually got <laughs> um, for this last week. My streaming check was like eighty bucks. That's pretty good. Which I mean, that's probably including a lot of YouTube. That's probably like that. honestly <sighs> millions. That's literally yeah. probably. A couple of million uh, yeah. spins. Well, YouTube pays out way more. Spotify pays like one hundredth of a penny per stream or something like that. It's really not as uh, YouTube. I, that's a common misconception, actually. Um, Teach me. Uh, well, the, one of the things about YouTube is that there's a threshold. But I think that they charge basically for their infrastructure. It's like they charge for their hosting. So unless you get you kind of get to a certain tier then you don't get paid. Mm. Um, but they do pay out the songwriters. Does that make sense? But not necessarily for, I need to look, I need to look into it. And yeah. I've been, I've been learning a lot lately, but that has been a thing I have not learned. Yeah. And things change so quickly that it's, um, it's really, it's really difficult. And one thing, um, one thing that has, I really, I can't believe how uneducated I am about, about how I get paid. (laughs) It's really fascinating. And almost I've heard, I've been a part of slash heard so many conversations that lasted for so long where no one really had any idea what they were talking about. Specifically, Specifically with streaming. It's like, everyone's just kind of, I see everyone. Let's see if people, um, it's, yeah, I, I really need to look that up. I know like there's some interesting developments like with Facebook, they don't have a a deal worked out mm-hmm. with uh with public with, with um any of the majors or publishers or anything like that. Um in terms of songwriting, like s- writers getting their money for covers that are done, which YouTube worked out a deal where if you cover someone's song, basically the YouTube finds it and and then they they pay the writer. Right. Facebook hasn't worked out a deal like that, and so until that happens, the labels are going through and taking down all the covers that they find on Facebook, huh? On the video, until they can negotiate negotiate something, right? And get like a big like some cash from from Facebook. And one of the things that I've learned, um, I I had the opportunity to sit down with an executive for Pandora, 
who actually lobbies uh, for, you know, to, to get, you know, uh, to get legislation through right. for, for publishing songs. And, and one of the things that happened that people don't realize is that Spotify actually doesn't pay majors, majors any more than independent artists. But what they did was that they paid them, like it was different for each labels, but hundreds of millions of dollars in, adv- in advance royalties. Huh. Whenever, to get the catalogs when they started up. Right. So like, hey, we're not going to pay you much, but we're going to pay you a lot in the beginning. And so yeah, um, it gave them cash when they really needed it and were vulnerable. So we'll see how that all kind of works out. Who bought their guitar? Luke, Chris, let's hear a tune. Who brought their guitar? Oh. I don't do, uh, we don't do music on this podcast. I'm going to start doing performance episodes. But what we're doing right now is taking away from the whole vibe of the podcast in that it's supposed to be a conversation between you and I. <laughs> I'm allowing it because you wanted to do it because I I haven't done a lot of Facebook streaming. But that kind of has, it takes away from the, uh, it takes away from the, the personal conversational connection that is supposed to be happening yeah. on the podcast and the forgetting that we're talking to a, a mass of people. That's why I put it over there and I wasn't looking at it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so oh, we're not going to be, so we're not going to be playing any songs on this podcast, but I am going to eventually start doing performance episodes, little yeah. 20 minute performance episodes, just intermittent amongst the podcast. So subscribe to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, if you're listening for Luke, Check out the other ones and uh, be on the lookout for some uh, some of those. So we're not going to be playing any songs, though. So you can tell them that if you'd like. Uh, no songs this, <laughs> this time, guys. I apologize. Yeah. No, it's just there's a there's a format. I'm trying to stick to it. Yeah. That's all. So Chris, how are you how are you feeling about how are you feeling about the world like in general? Like how are you? Are, I'm stressed out, man. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. You know, I uh, I had a good long conversation uh, with Roger Blevins about the state of the world and uh, who's Roger Blevins? Roger Blevins is the uh, lead singer of Mingo Fish Trap oh Roger yeah 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 and he's a uh, uh, very well read and very well spoken person on a lot of this kind of stuff and much more than I am for sure and uh, I'm uneasy but I'm trying to remain hopeful yeah in that I think that there's a lot of there are a lot of things that are happening that I don't agree with, but I think that there are a lot of things that are happening that I don't agree with that are going to be set correctly when the time comes, when it's necessary. Yeah. No, I I think. um, So I'm not in full on panic mode. Yeah. Well, but I'm very uneasy. Yeah. It's. um, Yeah. I, I really think that. I've been like just trying to learn. Like I've just been just searching frantically for, for all the glimmers of hope that I can find. But unfortunately I just keep on finding Yeah, and I'm trying and I'm trying really any and I, and I'm trying and it's, and I really try to find something balanced. Like just give you example of the kind of things that I researched. Like I was looking, um, cause there's the conflict in Syria, which is, um, obviously just this heartbreaking thing. Um, right that you can, you know, you look at all the, the pain that's like, there's all these kids that are going to be grownups that are, that are left stranded and, and it's just, it's so rough. And then the rush is part in that. And, and so I was looking, I was like, well, who, like, why don't we hear about terrorist attacks in Russia? 
And so I just, that's the kind of thing that I'm trying. And so I just researched that. I was like, why are there terrorist attacks in Russia? And, and I went through this whole rabbit hole of all these different perspectives. And basically the consensus is, is that because Russia will like they, let's say someone bombs Russia, they, it's kind of an unspoken thing that they will um, abduct the family of the of the of the bomber, right. of the terrorist, right? Um, brothers, sisters, grandparents, everybody will burn their houses down and right. they will disappear, and that's what happens. And so it's and anyway, so it's just like you get down these these rabbit holes. Anyway, this is but. Yeah, it's um, try. I, I guess let's chill, let's spin it to something that's more useful. Um, okay. Give me with a topic. This social social media and information. Um, I, I think my thing right now, if there's something that like that I can instill upon people, it's that really try to be do your best to be honest with yourself about where your opinion is valuable. And what's valuable about the things that you decide to share with people, um, whether it has value, whether you bring value to it, and whether you're an expert in the things that you're disseminating, being responsible about the information that you share. Um, that's something that I think that hopefully by the time, you know, uh, that the, the kids who are little kids now in the next, by the time they're in, in elementary school, that there will be lessons about being the way that we were told not to litter or not drink and drive. They're told not to share information and that there is a hierarchy of education and educated people and that they're based on the quality of the information that you're giving in a particular area that should be the um the reasoning behind who shares what um i agree with everything that you just said but i don't think that's ever going to happen because none of none of that none of the things that you're talking about are propagated by actual information they're propagated by companies that are just trying to make money and clickbait and trying to drive people to things well i think that also has to do with so here here's a glimmer of hope um so the the printing press was invented in i think it was like 1440 1450 in germany okay and do you do you know how long it took them to realize they can make a newspaper Mm -mm. 200 years okay why is that Um, they just didn't, it was just, it took them a while to figure out what the thing they made was for. And it really didn't, um, it would have just been a forgotten invention if it hadn't have been, if it hadn't have been created around the same time as the Reformation. Mm-hmm. And Martin Luther King basically gave Christianity, like just gave, like cr- kind of um, created this idea that you could, you could be a part of religion and that you could interpret the word of God yourself. And it was just this, this kind of, it was a time and basically it went viral right. and that they were printing leaflets and you could, and people could print the Bible for the first time and it could be accessible. So are you saying that we have all this social media platform and I'm saying we haven't we figured out what to do. What we don't yet. know what it's for yet. Yeah. I think that it's all our our most primal and basic instincts that are driving this thing. Yeah, for sure. And, well, and it gives everyone a voice. It gives unheard masses opinions and voices, which is not necessarily a good thing all the time. 
It gives anyone the opportunity to say anything that they want to say completely unchecked. And that's why you have viral videos about flat earth conspiracy (laughs) that are 30 minutes long. And they're spouting off what they're telling people are facts. And they're just blatantly not. And then they can control who comments. And so if you put a comment in there saying, here's why this is wrong, they'll just delete it. So there's a thousand comments of people agreeing with them and no comments of anyone not. Yeah, there there was um, a friend of mine who's very intelligent told me this. It, so I, I didn't read this myself, so I don't know if it's true. And I don't want to disseminate, you know, information that's not correct. But I was told that Webster's word of the year this year is post-truth, which is the name of the era that we're in. <laughs> that's terrifying. Yeah. We're in the, ter- <laughs> we're in the post-truth era. Well, I think that everything that you said that the children need to be taught these things and people need to be very careful about information that they spew. I, I agree with that wholly. And I think that, that that is really important because most of the things that are floating around all these viral videos and people dispelling rumors and doing all this stuff, it's all just blatantly wrong. A lot of it is, but I think that that de- entirely defeats the purpose. And I think that, it, the, the the faction of people that you're talking about, the intelligent people who want to be, who are actively seeking the truth and want to be proven wrong and want to have knowledge and fact, I don't think they're the same people that are sitting around on Snapchat worrying about what Kim Kardashian's doing. We have a... And it's a much smaller group of people. Um, the, I think that uh, there, there was a study, I forget the name of it, that was done recently, and it, and it showed that the less intelligent you are, the more you think you know and the smarter you are, the less you think you know. And yeah, that's, and that's, sure. that is a, like, it's a real paradox Yeah, that it, it's kind of a small man syndrome where the, the less that you're able to understand things, the more you attach to, to particular ideas, whether sure. they're right or not. Um, but I, but I also think that we're about to have to tackle some serious problems. We just keep on kicking the can down the road. And I think that, if we, you know, if, if there's not a world war three, which I, yeah, I don't, I mean, let's not even go there. If there's like, if that doesn't happen and, and, uh, um, you know, like if we can maintain some semblance of peace in the physical world, I'm sure that we're going to get into some crazy cyber terrorism stuff. We're going to have to deal with the fact that science, this is another thing that happened recently. Um, I guess it was, I'm not sure how long ago it was that, that, um, people who are mapping the human genome discovered these marks on proteins in cells. I think that it's in the mitochondria and I forget exactly what it's called, but they're, they're caused by the replication of your cells and that they're eventually will cause aging and you can actually reverse the marks using certain kinds of stem cells and they've done it in mice and they have mice that have lived 30% longer than mice have ever lived mm-hmm. um, using by, by replacing. Is that you? I guess so. Um, <clears throat> um, who wants to talk to you, Chris? Oh, we just froze. Yes. Back on? Yeah, here we are. Yeah, we're back on. No, not right. All right, I think we're, yeah, perfect. 
We look beautiful. I know. Oh, no. Yeah, good job. All right, great. Um, so where are we at? Oh, protein. So basically, we are on the verge. So the idea that aging is something that just happens right. and that you just die, that we are legitimately within our lifetime, probably the ultra wealthy will have access to to not to not aging. Right. And so when that happens, there's a there's the issue of like popul there's no way that that population doesn't become an issue. Population is already an issue. Yeah, it is and, and I, it's and I, growing rapidly. Yeah. It's we're 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 making we're reproducing like crazy. But these are the things that these are the things I've been thinking out thinking about and so I've just been kind of looking at science and trying to get like this a picture of what's going and, and what's like where we're going and what's happening and what we're going to be up against and what we're doing. And, and I think, um, this is, um, yeah, I, I, uh, well, how much of that reflection and thought translates into your musical world? It remains to be seen. Um, I, I think that a lot of that kind of that fear and, and doubt about uh, like it turns into thoughts about my own humanity and who I am and, and what I'm capable of and, and where I fall into things and who I could have been. And, and, and I think that it's definitely going to creep into my writing and uh, yeah, I just, we'll see, we'll see exactly how I don't seem cause I, I don't see myself as doing, making any political statements because I think that if you, get into specifics, real world specifics, it becomes immediately divisive because you think, you know, this name bad, this place bad, that thing bad. But if you talk about it in a really human way, like we all want to be good people. But, you know, um, we, we generally, you know, as a, as a species, we, we, we like we think of ourselves as good people and people that take care of other people. You know, but some people don't want to be told to do it. Some people don't, you know, some people, if out of sight, out of mind, like if someone is, um, you know, someone is hurting where they can't see them, then, you know, that's, they should have done something differently. Uh, but I think that ultimately we all want to do the same kinds of things and, and help people. And, and if I can chip away at the core of the message and, and connect people to it, then maybe I can make a little bit of a difference. Uh, so well, your music has always been, your writing and music has always been very personal and very personally reflective. So I can't imagine if you're, if you're diving off into this, this turmoiled state of, of all of the recent happenings in the world and in our country and all of that stuff that that's, not in some way going to translate into your music into more and it may not be political stance per se i don't think it'll be that you don't seem like the kind of person that would do that but it'll definitely be be more of an existential version of that yeah well i mean there's there are different there are principles that can be applied in a in a in a less heavy-handed way than saying that you know, say if I'm, I'm thinking about, um, the, the dogma, like certain religious dogma and how it affects people's ability to be flexible and in the world today and, and, and really 
you know, live out like the ideas of love and grace and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, as opposed to making it about a religion, like I, I would prefer to talk about it maybe as a crisis of purpose that if you don't have something to do, like if you are a, if you're someone that used to be a coal miner or someone who used to be a shoemaker or someone that who's, whose job has been taken by a machine, then you're looking for something to believe in and something to do and something to occupy your mind and your time and your anger and your fear. And, and maybe if we, if we talk about purpose, we talk about the crisis of purpose, we talk about the anger, we talk about the fear, um, and in a way that, that shows us that regardless of whether we believe in this God or that God or have a job or don't have a job that we are ultimately, you know, we, we all face these same things and it's, and it's about how we channel them and what we do with them that, that make us the world that we are and the world that we become. That's a good message. Party on. That's a good message that will, that will ultimately I'm sure will translate into your musical life and your, it's more existentially and more objectively, I'm sure, and it's got to, and that makes, but that makes you who you are as a musician because your music has always been kind of, uh, kind of about gathering up people and and giving everyone a a musical hug. Yeah, it's always been that way. That's how I've always kind of perceived it. Is your, <laughs> is your, you're t- you're just making sure that people know that they're not alone. If people are afraid of of the state of our country or the state of the world right now. They need to know that they're not alone. Yeah. And maybe your your song about some sort of glimmer of hope will make them feel better about their situation. Yeah. Well, I just hope that we can find a way. Just there's only so much anyone can do, but I really hope that we can find a way to stop uh, dividing people into to left and right and black and white and and right and wrong and yeah and and <clears throat> that's and, a and weird really, and really find some connective tissue because it's just, it's, um, I will, I will say that, that the main, like a positive that I see out of what's changed politically, um, is that we do have a really great system of government that allows revolution when revolution is necessary. If we didn't have, like, let's say that Hillary had won, then the people who were angry and felt disenfranchised feel four more years angrier and four more years more disenfranchised. And this way, you know, we we get to see, we get to try it out. People want There's a people, pretty consistent swing back and forth between Democratic and Republican. It is, and I think it's really important. Wise. I think that it's important because it if you've just had it's way easier to stomach something if you just had if you had a chance. Sure. Like you thought a thing and you got to see someone try to do it. Maybe. Um, but ultimately, I mean, you just, you kind of, um, yeah, I just, I, I hope, I mean, hope the Fox don't foxes don't, uh, you know, to me, don't get in the hen house and get to stay, you know, no more eggs for us. Yeah, <laughs> no more. Yeah, no. that would that could be an issue. And like I said, I, I'm not to the panicking state yet, but I <laughs> yeah, but I yeah. definitely am uneasy about a lot of things and the continuation of a lot of things that it just keeps kind of getting weirder and weirder. But 
you know, in terms of of my day to day activity, I don't know how much of that is going to be affected. So I, you know, it's kind of yet to be seen. For me, I'm not really a doom and gloom type of person overall. Pragmatic. I try to be. And so, you know, I can, there are a lot of people who are really happy about it. And, you know, maybe you can try to see it from their perspective. And what are they so happy about? Like, do they not understand that this is happening? But what's their point of view on this issue that I'm thinking is not good? You know what I mean? Because there are a lot of people who have pretty dramatically opposite opinions to what you and I have. Yeah, I. but I also, and, and I struggled with that initially because I was just, I, I, if, I think that one of uh, the things that's happened is that there, the divide isn't, is is so much about social who cares about social issues and who cares about economic issues there's so many people that they're to the point where um you know they don't like they just want a job and they want to keep it and they want to feel like they they want to feel good about themselves again um and feel like that they that they do have a voice and that they have an op- the opportunity to take care of their family and be a man, be a, be a strong man, be a strong woman, watch their strong man be like, have the opportunity to be what the wife sees him as and, or, you know, vice versa. And, and this, and then there's other people that they would live in a tent if it meant that everyone, no one had to kill anyone. Right. And no one had to, and that love could just be love and that the water could stay clean and the air could stay clean. And, and I think that that's really where the, the divide is, is that there are so many people that, that do care about the environment and do care about people and care about equality, but they, but they're willing to, 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 to deal with it, to, to have, to, you know, get their lives back or what they, you know, the past back right. or you, the economy, like their kind of economy back. So, I mean, and I, and I've, these are things I've thought about because I, I love people with all my heart that, that think things that are very differently than me. And I had to just, I had to figure it out. I was like, I have, you know, I, I love you and I have to love you because you're my family. You're my friends. You're people I really care about. And and I had to, I had to figure it out. I was like, what? Like, and, and honestly, I, I went into the situation feeling kind of, feeling disappointed and angry and, and, and kind of came out the other side feeling disappointed and angry at the information I got that didn't attempt to build a bridge of perspective. Hmm. Well, if I had to guess, I'd say you're in the minority of people who feel that way. And I would guess that more people would say that if you don't agree with what I agree with, then you're just wrong and I hate you. <clears throat> but I think that, like you said earlier, the uneducated, the loudest people are the most are the most uninformed people. And but they're the ones that make the most noise. Um, I and also, I, yeah, that's what I think that I think that there, there are, are small factions of very large groups who are misrepresenting large groups. 
because of the small faction of people who think this one certain way. Yeah, we. Well, yeah, I think that there's a, a like the ninety percent of the noise is from probably five percent of the people on the on the far left and the far right. Right. So that is definitely a challenge. But I also think we're just hardwired with the necessity to feel better than someone, to well, feel superior to I don't, someone. I don't necessarily think that that it's that to, to feel superior, but I do believe that we're hardwired, and I think this probably dates back thousands of years that we're hardwired to to want to be a part of something. Or part of a tribe. That's why I think that's why sports are so popular, and that's why people say who are fans of the Cowboys when they Cowboys win, they say we won. They're a part. They feel like they're a part of this group that's doing well, and they want their group to win. And I think that that's what's. I think that I think it's a very primal urge of what's happening here. You don't, but you don't think that that stems from a desire to be superior. I don't think that it stems from a desire to be superior individually. I think it stems from a desire and a longing to be a part of a group and for that group to ultimately be successful, but not successful in any other way than to advance the survival of the group. And I think that if I'm I'm trying to break it down on a way more primal level and not think that you and I are sitting here and we both think that we're better than each other. But to say that you and I are part of the same group and we want this, we want to better the group for the survival and continuation of the group. Yeah. Well, and when I say superior, I don't think that, that it's that I want to feel I'm going to use, I mean, just because I'm the one saying it, uh, I'm going to use myself as an example. Actually, I'm not going to do that because, (laughs) because then if you isolate, it's going to sound like me saying something really horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was Um, what I was going to do. So I'm sad that you stopped it. um, I was going to make that go viral. Yeah. Yeah. Destroy your career. Yeah. Destroy everything. So, (laughs) so a person, I think that, this this hypothetical every human that wants to feel superior doesn't want to feel superior to their friend they're next to or their mom or their dad necessarily uh-huh. um there are varying degrees some people want to feel superior to everyone have a god complex but i think in general it's that they want to feel maybe righteous is a better word than superior maybe that they want to think that their group the cowboys are better than the whoever's and that this church is better than that church mm-hmm. and that that they're that there's more like you know that they pulled themselves up from the bootstraps with their bootstraps and didn't need any help and right. these other people did right um and i and i think that along those lines um there's actually so this is actually a thing that i i kind of this is changing gears a little bit but i, I think that it's to be a just to feel righteous I think people want nobody to wants to be wrong and everyone's got their very strong opinion and they've got reasons why they have their very strong opinion but nobody wants to be wrong yeah about anything the far left and the far right they both think they're doing what's right and that's where the weird gray area happens yeah of what is actually right versus whose version of it is right versus the vocal minority and their version of it that's getting the most press and the most publicity is is that accurately depicting what the, you know what I mean like there's there's a lot of gray area in there but yeah. ultimately nobody wants to be wrong nobody thinks that they're wrong and and I also think the the argument against like conservative versus liberal is that it comes down a lot of times to to being kind of a gambler and thinking there's one side that thinks well the system is kind of rigged and that you need help sometimes like sometimes you just 
you don't have any chips left on the table and you need someone to give you some more chips. Right. Because that just is the way it's going to happen. And some people, you know, think if I just had a shot, like I'll always, like if you give me 10 bucks, I'll always turn it into 20. Right. And, and I think that a lot of, that that's kind of like, and I don't, well, no, it's, if you give me the opportunity to make 10, I'll, I'll, I'll make a million. I, maybe that's the better way to say it, but it's like who always wants the opportunity to gamble on themselves. And then, and then the other people say that sometimes you just need help surviving. Does that make sense? Yeah. On a broad scale, that makes sense. Yeah. I think philosophically that that's, I think that that's that idea that I'm better. That if you give me a chance, like if, if this, if I have a chance, then, then like, I don't need help. I just need a chance. Right. Um, and then other people think that sometimes you need help and that's kind of the philosophical divide. I think to a certain degree when it comes to a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Could be. There's a lot of human nature involved in a lot of points that become very black and white. And I think that that becomes a pretty big issue for people who don't understand human nature. Yeah. You know, you get a really big divide and I don't like this person, but you don't know why you don't like this person. Or, and a lot of people, and I think the biggest problem is I don't like me and I don't know why. Sure. Well, that's pretty common. I think coming, coming to terms with yourself is probably the hardest thing that anybody can do. Well, yeah. And and accepting I think yourself wholly. That, and, and that's where the hard, that's where the heavy lifting is. Yeah. Is in there. But that becomes, you know, people don't do that and, and they reconcile that with, Huge walls and facades that get projected on other people. Well, I'm going to answer a question you asked a long time ago, that, that a while, like an, an hour ago in this conversation. Okay. Um, you, you asked me about my journey going from, from Dublin to Stephenville to Granbury to Fort Worth and then to Los Angeles and, and the trajectory through all that. Uh-huh. And it really, it, it's really a journey of introspection where I look inside of myself and I, I live my life in a way that I'm always trying to learn and that every time that I go back to Dublin, to Stephenville, to Granbury, to Fort Worth, to LA, to everywhere that I've lived in my life, it's always, it's different because it's changed, but it's way more different because I've changed. Right. And, and that's kind of the thing. It's, it's that if you keep on doing the work and learning about yourself and learning about the world you live in and the way that, it affects you and you affect it, then everything is always changing. And I, I think that it's really, if you're, if you're coming back home to your house, to your parents' house every Christmas, and it's always the same because you're always the same, then you have some work to do. Okay. So you feel like a good place to... I don't know. That's a good place to, to to end that topic for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, evolution, constant evolution is important, and especially in doing what we do for a living. You're you can't rest on your laurels for very long before you become stagnant, become bored with yourself. I think it takes a certain kind of person to do to do an artistic job like this that caused that requires that amount of introspective introspection all the time and requires that amount of vulnerability. And you see your that that perpetuates evolution of self. Yeah. So I also realized that, that I also realized that I've got a um, an amazing girlfriend. Actually, who I told what time is it? I told her I was going to be in Dallas by three. It's two forty-five. Okay, I'm going to be late. 
Um, but I, I will say this is that I've learned that we all have different worlds that we live in and mine is far removed from, from what most people call the real world. And, yeah. and so, um, grain of salt with all this. Cause there's, I am there day to day tasks and day to day thing like not ha- like ways of coping coping and communicating and connecting that are specific to the world we live in that I'm completely inadequate in doing and handling. And when I'm in my own little special Luke Wade world, I I do a great job and I get outside of that and it's just um it's a shit show. <laughs> so <laughs> so I mean that you can say that granted. about anybody. You can say that about anybody in any walk of life, though. You get you get engulfed in whatever you do for a living. If you work at a bank or you're a construction worker or you're a musician, you get engulfed in your world and you're surrounded by people who do what you do and who know about what you do. I don't think that that what you're saying is a bad thing. I think you're trying to frame it in like like in a self-deprecating way, but I don't think anything like that is a bad thing. But I do. I will say. You have a different perspective on it, though, because you know it and you identify it, but you're yeah. not going to do anything about it. Um, I actually do want to do something about it. I mean, to be honest with you, I, ha- I had a, a moment. I was, at a, I was at a wedding, and it was a Catholic wedding. And it was like two hours of like fear in Jesus <laughs> and like a little bit of like marriage, and uh, in which I actually was like, I haven't been to church in a minute. And so I was like getting into the church side of it, you know, and, and I was thinking about all the aspects of it. And I was looking at, I was looking at the, the, um, looking at Jesus up there. I was like, man, sorry. (laughs) Like, and I was looking at, and I was, I was, I was seeing him up there and I was seeing him like just loving everybody like from up there. And, and uh and I was like and I was looking around at people, I was like, God, like I I wish that I loved It's distracting. What is this phone, the fact that you can see yourself? I keep looking at myself. Um I wish that I I wish that I loved everybody like that. And I like I and I, I love my people and I love certain people like that. And I do my best in each individual moment to give people the opportunity to be in the moment with me. But like that kind of like I really do I wish that someone could punch me in the face and I could say and like look at him afterwards and say, I love you and really mean it. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and not, and like, and I'm, and honestly, this is not coming from a religiously, like a religious place. This is coming from a human place that I do recognize the shortcomings of my humanity. And like, I really want to, to be empathetic and not be super biased by, who I am and what I do and whether I can have a conversation about music with you as to whether I connect with you. Sure. I don't want, I don't want to be limited by the words that I can exchange with someone or the things we have in common. Like I want to figure out a way to, to, to love past all those things, but I may never, I may never do it. And I'm, and I, a lot of times I feel like I'm, I'm too in my own world to, to really try outside of just saying really self-righteous things like this. Well, the realization of that is I think the first step toward making that a reality for yourself. If that's something that you aspire to, 
basic human connection. You're all, you are a very empathetic person, more so than most people that I know. And I think that as a, as a characteristic, I think that lends itself to everything that you just said, that you, you want to connect with people on a, on a very personal and, and more than personal level. And I think that that, is what translates into your music that, and that's what makes people, people are drawn to you as a musician because you are very vulnerable and you are very accepting of, of human nature. And that comes through in your music uh, from what I've seen. Wow. And I, I think that's what people, that's why people are are drawn to that. People don't get that very often because there's a lot of people who are very lonely and a lot of people who don't, who don't get any sort of emotional affection that they need. And then they turn to, they turn to the entertainment industry to people like you who can make them feel okay about whatever their current yeah. situation is. And that's really important. And it's a really powerful platform that you have that you have, that you have created for yourself and that has been allowed to you to be able to reach into people's, into people's lives yeah. like that from, from a distance and make them feel okay about whatever's going on. You know, and I, I think that there's, there's so much of uh, I guess the last however many years of my career, I've really, the the stage version of myself has been the really kind of just positive and inspired kind of version of myself. But I also, I think that, so I've I've fallen in love recently uh, out out in LA with an amazing, amazing woman. And I've really, I've done a lot of things unintentionally that are, really disappointing um and i've found out a lot you know i I just i started to kind of believe that character too much i didn't realize it was a character and and i've started to kind of now that i realize that i'm sometimes i'm really selfish and and i've had to invite i've invited someone else into my world and these these like things like being selfish and and telling like not being totally truthful to try to protect someone and like that's a selfish thing and like all these these various things like now that I've connected with with those aspects that I didn't maybe I didn't want to admit to myself like I I think that there's like I've come to realize that that there's like that there's more humanity there and that it's actually I, I think that it's it's way more palatable to have someone who's like yeah I'm a I'm fuck up, you know, sometimes, but this is what I'm trying to do. Like that seems more real to me. Um, and not that I'm, I'm thinking about being real or not being real, but like, it just, it seems, I feel like a less guy, like less like a guy on, there's a guy, I'm a guy on stage and there's a space and there's you as opposed to there, like, it's all just a thing. And uh, that'll yeah. make it people that'll make it a lot easier, I think, for people to relate to you and to, to grasp on to whatever it is that you're doing. Because no one has ever, I don't think, thought of you and your music and thought that you were it was contrived in any kind of way. Yeah. I've yeah. never thought that. You know what I mean? I, I see you on stage and I see you when we hang out when you're in town and whatever. And I don't you know, I don't see a I don't see a definitive line between the two. Personally, 
I know you personally, and I've been lucky to to be friends with you for a really long time, and maybe that helps. I'm lucky to be friends with you, man. That's adorable. But we've had some good times, man. We have. It's been five years or so now. It's it really. Um, it's crazy that it's been five years, but it's also crazy that it hasn't been fifteen. Yeah, it feels like uh, we've lived a uh, we've lived a lifetime of memories together. We've 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 done some <laughs> we've done some stuff. Yep. Whereas, uh, yeah, well, a lot of, a lot of awesome stuff, and you've been so uh, generous with your time and your talent with me and so many other people. And you're you're someone that, uh, gosh, like speaking of, like you've. I don't know. You have a uh, a certain way of of like taking your 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 flaws and really like living like living to make like to be better like in front of people. It's almost like uh, that, but that I really appreciate and respect. Like one of the first things you ever said about yourself was like. I'm a, you're like, I'm a bad person. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> so you said to, and, uh, and then like proceeded to just be like, do some of the most kind and generous stuff that I've ever seen anyone do. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And it was all stuff that was going on inside of you that you were, that you're thinking about and working on and trying to do better. And sure. And, uh, it's taken me a long time, 30 years old. And it's taken me until my 30th year of life to really, begin to understand who I am and why. And uh, it happened as a result. For me, it happened as a result of not drinking anymore and really having this sober version of myself and not and coming to terms with, with depression and coming to terms with extreme social anxiety and all these other things that have been really debilitating to me in my life. And I've built up these really aggressive walls to keep people out to, so people didn't know because I was embarrassed and it's taken uh, the help of uh, just a small handful of people who are very close to me for me to really come to terms with all of those things. And when you met me and the, the subsequent three or four years since after that or five years up until now, it's it's been a an ex- pretty aggressive journey of, of self-discovery and self-acceptance. And, uh, so I appreciate you saying that because I I really am trying to, to do that. And this year has this past 10 months of, of sobriety really has been the most comfortable with, with myself that I've ever been in my entire life. And, uh, that's translated into every aspect of my life in from music to my relationships, to my, you know, my, my friendships to, to everything. So, I hope that that comes through and that something, and if it doesn't, it means a lot to me, to myself that I have gotten out from under that rock of trying to be funny when I didn't feel like being funny or trying to be whatever I thought I was supposed to be. Yeah. Well, I'll just say whenever you don't feel like being funny, don't try to be funny because you, you're just mean. I know that's how it comes out. (laughs) That's what like you're on stage and you're like, I'm supposed to say something now. It's like, why don't you clap? You idiots. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I feel like I've probably said that at some point. There was a time where I thought, I think I was watching Scott Copeland too much, but there was a time where I thought being mean to the audience would be endearing. So I would say kind of snide things. The about, thing is that you're not genuinely that mean. No. So you've got to be like, 
you've got to be genuinely <laughs> I, I got out of that phase for sure. I realized that that didn't work. People would just get, oh, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> Why is he being the jerk? So, you know, whatever. But Well, dude, I think I, think I got to get rolling. Do you have to go? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, tell me just for a minute about uh, this record you've got coming out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, January the 13th, Only Ghost. It comes from a quote uh, from the third song called... Uh, Kissing makeup and it's face to face with what you fear the most. I can show you that they're only ghosts. And so only ghosts is the record. January thirteenth. There's uh, three songs off the record. They're available if you uh, pre-order it. Uh, you get passenger side uh, on fire in three days, and there's a music video out for three days. So you can go to LukeWayMusic.com for all that. And uh, pretty much, you know, the things that um, yeah, I, I feel like it's the the strongest collection of songs with the strongest production that that I've I've put out. So, you know, check it out. Um, I've tell, heard it. Tell your friends. And what I've heard is awesome. So I can't wait to hear the final product and, and hear all of that. And I'm really excited for you and all the happenings out in L.A. I think that was a great move for you. And I think that it's nothing but up and up since that's happened. So I'm excited yeah. to watch your career blossoming. Do you come out? I've got a um, I've got access to the studio so uh i'm working with uh i'm actually a uh, i got a pub deal with a company called uh, angry mob uh-huh. and so yeah i get to use their house studio which is on the 27th floor of the wells fargo tower and, awesome. and brentwood so it like overlooks the mountains on the ocean yeah. it's pretty it's pretty sweet man it's pretty come, sweet come, come and hang out <laughs> yeah come, come uh Come record some tunes with me. I would love to do that. So, yeah. So, check out Luke, LukeWadeMusic.com, and keep an eye out for all that. January 13th, Only Ghosts comes out. So, if you've uh, listened so far, thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, and I appreciate you guys and your continued support, and uh, we'll catch you next time.